Ties, a podcast of the Maine Community Foundation. I'm Taylor Mace. The first lesbian, gay, transgender, and queer pride march in the United States took place on June 28, 1970 in New York City, one year after the Stonewall Uprising, when LGBTQ people protested the treatment of their community by police officers. This is considered a turning point of LGBTQ activism. Today, Pride Month in June celebrates the equality, dignity, self-affirmation, and visibility of the LGBTQ community with parades and events across the country. While Pride Month is a time for celebrating the progress LGBTQ activists have made over the past 52 years, the approximately 10,000 transgender people living in Maine face unique challenges in the most rural and oldest state in the country. My name is Quinn Gormley. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm the executive director of the Maine Transgender Network or Maine Transnet. And we are Maine's only transgender community organization. And we support transgender people, those who love us and those who care for us uh, to create a world where transgender people can thrive. Uh, we do this mostly through peer-based support groups, through educational programs and through policy advocacy. It's, I think, fitting that we're doing this this time of year uh, where uh, LGBTQ people are, are more visible in society because of Pride Month. And at the same time, despite the celebratory nature of Pride Month, there are just horrendous attacks against our community happening in Maine and all over the country right now. Um, trans people live our lives as a political football. Uh, we experience socioeconomic and political discrimination and oppression uh, that takes the form of poverty and violence uh, at unprecedentedly high rates, uh, as well as, uh, unfortunately, uh, a great deal of uh, social isolation and rejection. Uh, so a lot of what Maine Transnet does is making sure that trans people, particularly trans people living in rural Maine, uh, know that they aren't alone and that there's a community here for them that cares about them uh, and make sure that we can connect them to uh, safe and affirming resources to get the healthcare that they need, uh, to find the jobs that they need, to find housing that they need, when frequently the, those things are incredibly challenging. Being a trans person in a rural area comes with its own social and medical hurdles, but Quinn is optimistic about the spirit and attitudes of rural Mainers. Main Transnet serves the oldest and the most rural trans population in the country. And that comes with some unique challenges. And I think it also comes with some interesting opportunities. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of the stereotyping of rural communities as being inherently unaccepting. Uh, what, what data we have on, on LGBTQ people in rural spaces shows that they're actually more integrated into the local communities than trans people who live in suburban and, and metropolitan communities. I think the difference is some rural communities are incredibly safe and accepting, and some of them aren't, and it's really hard to tell the difference between the two of them. Uh, and frequently trans people, particularly when they're first disclosing their status or, or in beginning to transition, 
um, can experience a great deal of rejection in that period. And in rural communities, that rejection can mean a rejection by the entire community and a loss of any meaningful social support. And so frequently we find people who are just, they've gone from being integrated parts of their community to being completely isolated overnight. Uh, and that, that is a traumatizing experience. Living in and, and talking with rural Mainers is, uh, we're really good at supporting individual people while not realizing what that means for supporting groups of people. Uh, you know, I'll, you know, I, I've talked to folks who are like, well, you know, I don't really like gay people, but you know, <laughs> my cousin Tom and his husband Robert are, are great. Um, and I think there's, there's this disconnect uh, of um, sort of seeing queerness and, and transness as, as this sort of metropolitan idea, this Hollywood idea, the media, and not this thing that people in their individual lives experience uh, and identify with. Uh, because frequently their, their only exposure to, to queer and trans people has been through media that doesn't look like what their communities look like. Uh, and yet they know and love queer and trans people. They just don't connect those two ideas very well. Um, and I think that's something that we need to work on being better at uh, in our work with rural Maine is making sure that people understand that they, these are not abstract issues. These are issues in small town Maine uh, and our communities need to be safe and affirming in small town Maine. It is certainly an area where I'm hopeful because I think uh, we're, we're good at coming together when we need to. Uh, and I think when we're presented with the information in the right way, we're given the opportunity to be hearing and empathetic. We know how to do that. The limited health care options in rural communities can be particularly difficult for older trans people. Both older and, and I would say also true of rural uh, trans people. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is accessing health care. The, the most commonly asked questions that we get at Maine Transnet are, can you recommend a therapist? Can you recommend a primary care provider? Can you recommend a place to get gender affirming health care? And, you know, our healthcare systems in Maine are already way over capacity, short on specialists. We simply just don't have enough providers and they're not in the right places. And, you know, when you take that issue, when you, you have to start then eliminating providers who, who won't treat you because you're trans, who won't provide you with the care you need because you're trans, that, that gets more difficult. And, uh, you know, trans, gender affirming care is not, in most cases, all that complicated a form of health care. You know, a hormone prescription is, is no more complicated for most people than, say, birth control is. Um, and yet, a, a lot of health care providers um, don't understand that. They think of it as some kind of weird specialty in, in medicine. And so they won't provide treatment, uh, or, or they're looking for reasons not to provide treatment. And frequently, uh, older trans people kind of get a, a higher rate of rejection um, than, than younger trans people do because one of the most common reasons to not provide gender affirming care uh, has to do with, with heart health issues um, that are just more common among older adults uh, than they are among younger folks. And so they, they just end up on longer waiting lists. They, they have more um, needs around their health care very often. Uh, and it, it just becomes a great deal of, of discouragement um, at best and, and lack of care at, at worst. Younger folks are, are more likely uh, to identify as being trans and non-binary than older folks are, uh, which is not to say that there are not a lot of older folks who are trans, 
Um, I think it's to say that younger folks have been given the words for that experience uh, earlier in their lives. Uh, and, and so we're able to embrace it uh, more easily. There's a social cost for them to say who they are. Maine, along with 15 other states and the District of Columbia, have the Transgender Law Center's highest ranking for having positive or protective laws in place for transgender people. Even so, Quinn says it will take more effort for these protections to trickle into all of Maine's communities. I think sort of a, a live and let live approach uh, is, is common uh, in our communities here in Maine, which can sometimes mean we find uh, acceptance or at least tolerance in unexpected places. You know, in terms of, of rights and organizations, we, we tend to fare well uh, in terms of legal protections. Um, you know, we've been able to pass a, a lot of strong laws here in Maine. Uh, at the same time, you know, there's a huge gap between the law and culture. Uh, and I think our culture has a lot of catching up to do, but I, I can't say that we're, we're in particularly ahead of the game or, or behind it. I think we're probably middle of the pack um, in terms of cultural acceptance. Uh, and in terms of organizations, you know, there, there's not a main transnet in every state. We're actually a fairly unusual organization nationally. This idea of having sort of a comprehensive trans-run community organization is, is pretty unusual. Uh, we're actually the largest organization of our kind in the country. Uh, and so I, I think Transmainers have the benefit of, of uh, organized community in a way that a lot of trans people in the rest of the country don't. And I think that that has a really great impact uh, on transmainers. They are less likely to be isolated than other parts of the country. Educating yourself about trans people and, and, and what it means to be trans in this world is easier now than it ever has been, thanks to sort of this tsunami of visibility that we're, we've been living in for the past few years. Um, there are any number of books, there are some great memoirs. Uh, I'm, I'm personally a big fan of uh, the works of Jennifer Finney Boylan, who's a, a main author who's written several memoirs about her life as a trans woman, um, that I think can help people get an emotional understanding of what it means to be trans. Uh, you know, I think interacting with LGBTQ organizations, uh, reading the, the news articles about us, there's a lot of news uh, recently about LGBTQ people here in Maine and nationally that's worth engaging with. Beyond its advocacy work, Maine Transnet newly opened Safe Combinations, its thrift store at 15 Casco Street in Portland. All people, but particularly trans people, um, can find affordable gender-affirming clothing in a safe environment. Uh, and I, I think it's actually fitting that we're talking because our the idea to open a thrift shop was actually given to us by a, a grant manager uh, at Maine Community Foundation and that they supported us in sort of the planning process of that. We're, we're really excited to offer this new resource uh, to our community, this new space. Uh, we're hopeful that, that not just trans people are going to shop there. We want our allies to to support our, our business as well, because that's the only way we're going to make runs. It's a really exciting next step for us. For more information about Maine Transgender Network, 
visit maintrans.net. Sources for this episode include the Library of Congress and the Transgender Law Center. You can find all episodes of Maine Ties at maincf.org or subscribe to Maine Ties on any podcast platform.